0: I was really looking forward to today's guest because I'm a fan. Uh, I saw a show last year, and that show will be airing on Netflix globally. You're global now, Mike Berbiglia. Uh, if we could use a little anybody right now, it's Mike Birbiglia in this very, very troubled world. Welcome, my friend.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you saying that. I'm glad you came. That means a lot to me. It was
0: great, and um, I, you know, somebody recommended it, and I, and I, I'd seen you work before, but I was just blown away. I, you know, there's. I, I, you're like in a category of one. I mean, this is your fifth one-man show, and I think the fourth one on Netflix. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah. And you're ju- you're a storyteller. I, I guess all you know, all comedians are, and all artists are in some form or another. But you just you tell a story, you take people on a trip, and it can be a long story, but along the way there are all these marvelous little scenic things that happen. And and just as I said, I'm a big fan.
1: Thanks. You know, I arrived at that. Uh by kind of a series of uh, happenstance things, like I was when I was in college, I won the funniest person on campus contest at Georgetown. And that doesn't get that doesn't get you laid though. Does no, no, it, it does yeah. It, it does yeah, yeah. And not only that, it's not a, it's not perceived as a funny school, right? It's, uh, you know what <laughs> I mean? You're, you're, you're funny school, Arizona State University, yes. Georgetown, no. yeah, it just doesn't have that. And then, uh, but I from that I got a. I got the chance to work the uh, at the Washington, D.C. Improv, which is a great comedy club there. And then uh, they asked me if I wanted to work the door, uh, seating people and get, you know giving out tickets or whatever. And then I did that, and I sort of watched all the best comedians come through, you know, Margaret Cho and Dave Chappelle and all these, you know, Brian Regan, all these people who were the best in the field. And I kind of studied it, and I moved to New York. And at a certain point... I told a story at the Moth. I told some stories in This American Life, and then I started merging these comedy and storytelling together into it into a show. These, sh- these shows,
0: obviously, it has it's about your life, and we'll talk about the different elements of it. But when something, you know, the friend who doesn't know the old man in the pool takes there's a big part in the show about your time at swimming at, at Hawaii. Uh, at that time, are you noticing the? Ridiculousness of it, like were you already were you already a comedian yeah. in your mind at that point, or do you just kind of look back and go, like, that's I don't want to say take me through your process, but I always because you do it in such detail and and, and with such pinpoint accuracy that I it's almost like, oh, at the time, this guy knew he was gonna be using this at some point. Well,
1: I think in some ways, it's a it's it's yeah, it's com- comedy, tra- comedy is tragedy plus time, and it's yeah. and it's kind of depends on uh the extremeness of the tragedy and in this case swimming at the ymca is not much of a tragedy so you can go pretty quickly on that one yeah. <laughs> uh but so like what well, for fl- you it almost was because you started swimming for health reasons yes yeah, mm-hmm. no it's true it's, it's true. true. my doctor yeah. you know i talk about this in the show but it's like my doctor said like you should consider swimming you should consider doing cardio five days a week and i said i don't think anybody does cardio five days a week and she said a lot of people do i go i don't even think professional athletes do she goes oh, yeah they definitely do and we agreed to disagree, and uh, and and uh, she said, you, "Have you tried swimming?" And I had always had this history of like I'd never wanted to swim again because I, I went to the YMCA as a kid, and so then I, but I tried it in Brooklyn. I, I went to the YMCA, and immediately I was just like, "This the smell of chlorine <laughs> in this location is astounding," and yeah. and the way in which. I mean, I have this joke where, I, and it, where I'm where i talking about how I asked to take a lesson and then she says, let me see what your level is. And then I'm just kind of I'm, – I'm like a blender in the swimming pool and I'm in the walker's lane. the You know, the right. walkers are blowing past me. <laughs> and I'm literally, to answer your questions, like how long before it becomes a bit, immediately I'm like, well, this is funny. I mean, this is just right, a funny yeah. thing that happens in life. Yeah. And so I'm writing it down and then – I think as a comedy writer or any kind of writer, you become a spy for your own writing at a certain point. You go, okay, yeah. I'm going to go back. I'm going to I'm gonna write down what it says on the signs. One of the signs says no breath holding. One of the signs says no peeing in the pool, et cetera. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm writing all of this down. And then I right. try it out on stage. And I see what sticks, honestly. I mean, it's not that in that way, it's not that different probably from marketing in the sense that like, it really is trial and error of like what's working.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of marketing, one of the things that makes you work also, and this is the first time we're meeting and I only know you from your your your, your work. You seem like such a likable guy. You just oh, seem like thanks. such a good guy. Maybe not. You may you know, kick puppies. I don't know that. <laughs> but as a as a marketer, that's what comes across.
1: That's nice of you to say. I mean, I'm always uh I'm always quick to point out to to folks uh, that I'm a I'll, I'm a very flawed person, and if I'm not conveying that, that I should be working. Oh, it on Oh, com- yes, it pulsates. It pulsates. I... <laughs> we're, we're, it's, no, job well done. Job well done. No, but I think I I think uh, yeah, I'm a flawed person. Uh, I try to convey that in my work. I think that the, it's important. I actually think in comedy to convey that because I think that the world that we're currently living in in relation to the Instagram universe is a lot of conveying things are great, there are no problems, there are no mistakes. Yeah, no- you, got a, you got a young daughter. Good, good luck yeah. with that. Go, I have teenage exactly. daughters.
0: I know you was younger. It's just, and it's it's a hell to live through. It really is.
1: It's hard. And I think like what what I try to do in my comedy is have it be the anti-Instagram comedy. It's, it's, it's really not... Uh, dressing things up and making them look prettier its and and have perfect lighting, but really kind of kicking the tripod and, and giving it messy lighting.
0: Speaking of flaws, uh, I would say a big, yeah, actually a big part of your act is your, uh, we'll call it a sleeping disorder for lack yes, of a better. Sure. Talk to us about that and how that kind of comes into your act.
1: What's funny, you know, it's timely because I'm, years ago, I, I sleepwalked and I I assure the listeners this is true and I have a book about it and a movie about it but I I, I ju- sleepwalked through a second story window in Walla Walla Washington at a La Quinta Inn and I I'm actually odd I love that
0: the best part about that is the La Quinta Inn
1: <laughs> That's what gives that's what gives it
0: its color I remember I that know. it's like that you just somehow the whole thing just comes together yeah. in La Quinta If it was at a, a, a holiday inn it went to work if it was at a Hyatt
1: but at the end it just gave it a certain je ne sais quoi. Well, it's funny because yeah, that if you dig into the details of the story, one of the reasons that it even could happen that you could jump through a second story window because one of my friends who I grew up with this guy Matt in Shrewsbury, Mass, he's an engineer and he goes he said to me he goes, how would you get through the glass? Like, you know, the glass should not allow not for blakeable. you to yeah. get yeah. through. Yeah. And I said, I don't, I mean, it, to La Quinta Inn in Walla Walla, which is very far Eastern Washington, and I just don't think it had updated windows, He's the truth. And right. and so, uh, yeah, I jumped through second story window there, and I'm returning there to perform my next hour of comedy. Um, I'm doing Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, but then I'm going to Walla Walla to the scene of the crime from about 20 years ago.
0: Oh wow! Isn't that at the,
1: wild? At, the at, at at their at their big showroom at the La Quinta, it, doing it. it at, at, it's a, I'm going to definitely stop by. I mean, right. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm going to try to rent the room and just. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm not going to stay overnight because that feels dangerous. But, yeah. but, uh, but, but there is a plaque there. There's a plaque on the wall that said, "You know, 20 years ago, comedian Mike Birbiglia jumped through the second story window. True story. Google it." And Ira Glass, who's my mentor and, uh, and produced that movie, Sleepwalk With Me, um, with me, um, he actually had the plaque made and put up. And sometimes my fans will go there and take a photo of themselves and post it on social media.
0: We always thought sleepwalking was something that was made up, you know, yeah. the, for sitcom for sitcoms. Talk to me about how you how it kind of entered your life and and how I know you you take different kinds of medications to deal with it. Just just bring us up to speed on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I've had a handful of friends recently call me because I've bec- I've become the go-to friend with the sleepwalking disorder, where it's it's well known <laughs> yeah, that I right. have one, and so people, I'm trying to
0: think if there's any other celebrity that is known to have a sleepwalk disorder. I think that's you, my friend. I think you the only crossover, a quarter, yeah.
1: The only crossover is, is oddly Michael J. Fox, who has Parkinson's, and there's who's there a dear, is who's some a dear cor- for, is, yeah, he's a, a dear friend, friend of yours and friend of mine, and, yeah, of yeah, mine, and yeah. there's a correlation that the Fox Foundation has talked about. And I actually voiced uh, a, a campaign for them where they talk about the relationship with between what I have, REM sleep behavior disorder, and, and right. Parkinson's. I'm so on that's the board. I should, I
0: should know that. I should know that. I'm on his board. So I yeah. yeah. not know that. Certainly,
1: right. certainly on my radar. And- uh, no, and I and I admire Mike Fox so much. Um, so he's, a,
0: he's got his big benefit this well, actually this will, will aired afterwards. So uh his he always has a big benefit every year in the middle of November and he's just he's he's just he's this everybody I say to everybody, however special you think he is, he's even more special. Yeah, I think that's know? right.
1: Yeah. But uh but yeah, so so to answer your question about sleepwalking, it's like um years ago when I was in my twenties, I started walking my sleep and it was it was period a period of time where I was living with my girlfriend, and I had all uh, at the time, and I and I was I had a lot of anxiety, and and I would I would jump up on furniture, I would I would leave the room, I would run out of the you know room I was in, whatever it is, and then it got worse and worse until a point where I you know jumped through the window, and then I ended up going to a sleep physician, and uh, and I was diagnosed with this thing called RBD, and so now I take medication, and and for a while there I was sleeping. In a sleeping bag, um, and I would wear straight, straight jacket. Yeah, like straight a straight jacket. jacket, so I couldn't <laughs> right. open the sleeping bag. And uh, it's pretty wild. I mean, I don't, truthfully, I don't love taking clonopin, but I have to do it. It's one of those things yeah. where I, you know, it, I, I, I don't love it, but I, I, it's sort of what I'm situation I'm in.
0: Let's talk about your illustrious wrestling career, <laughs> sure. which is, which also enters your act, which I, I just, uh, I one of the funniest bits I've ever seen. Oh,
1: thanks. It's um, when I was in high school, my brother Joe convinced me to join the wrestling team uh, because he had been on the team and he told me it would build character. And uh, I didn't even really know what that meant, but I thought I'm gonna I want to get that. And then I, uh, yeah, I joined the wrestling team, and it was I I I don't think there's anything I've enjoyed doing less in my <laughs> life. I, I was pinned. I remember in 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 practice. They paired me up with the art. I was in the 152, 152 pound class, and he was in the 102 pound. And he <laughs> would pin me multiple times per practice. It was like watching a paperweight be pinned by paper. And right. uh, and so I hated it. But it, you know, maybe it, it built character. I don't know. Like it, I'm glad I did it. Were you? Did you? Did you wrestle? I didn't wrestle, but there's something for some
0: reason. I always sticks when I talk to anybody about wrestling. There's a meme that I've seen about it's a it's a and it's the 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 tagline is poor Timmy, and Timmy is obviously the wrestler on the bottom, and this guy's <laughs> balls is just in his fucking uh, face yeah yeah, the yeah sure time. sure. <laughs> a, I, I passed our wrestle Jew, Jews don't wrestle. You know, we don't wrestle. Oh, is that
1: right? I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's in the Bible. You can you can look it up. You can, you, you, you can look it up. We don't we don't play tackle football. We don't wrestle. We play tennis. We play golf. We play basketball. We
1: ski. Oh, uh, that's the thing. My I have my my daughter and I. My daughter's eight. We started. How do you pronounce her name? Ula? Una. 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 O O N A. And uh, right. She and my wife Jenny and I started watching this Netflix documentary series called Breakpoint, and it's about professional tennis. And now she's obsessed, and she plays tennis. This is all from the documentary. Now she plays tennis, and we and we took her to the U.S. Open, was which, which was an absolute oh, dream. She, come true. She, we 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 took her to Coco Golf. I mean, it was it was wild. It was wild.
0: Right. She must love it. You yeah. didn't originally want to have kids. No. You married a nice nice Jewish girl who kind <laughs> yep. of talked you into it. You know. I always wonder when I talk to Gentiles, and you didn't have to marry a Jewish girl, and you did it by choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't see it that way. <laughs> I uh, don't see it that actually. Every, only,
0: <laughs> every woman, every great love of my life has been a Jewish woman. Right? The, so, uh, yeah, I, I say that no, tongue-in-cheek.
1: I mean, it's. Uh, I would describe it as if I were religious. Maybe it would be the religion I would choose, right? <laughs> but yeah. I haven't chosen it. Uh, but I, you know, I, I was, yeah, I, I'm felt so lucky to have found, Jenny, and and she. Yeah, falling in love. I've been talking about this on stage lately a lot in relation to like I I wrote this show that I'm touring with right now and it's called Please Stop the Ride. And mm-hmm. it's in reference to like a carnival ride when I was a kid where I was on the scrambler. Do you ever heard of the scrambler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, and the, the, and yeah. I was, you know, and it scrambles and scrambles and scrambles. Yeah. And I'm with this girl who I have a crush on and I realize I'm going to throw up for sure. <laughs> and I'm like I'm thinking I got to tell the guy to stop the ride. But the but the mathematics of the scrambler are such that the window of opportunity in which one can communicate with the scrambler operator, very limited. So I'm yes. like, I gotta tell the guy to stop the ride. Please stop the ride. And then I'm back and scramble and scramble. Please stop the ride. And then right, finally right. I throw up and it's kind of like an oscillating lawn sprinkler. Just popcorn peanuts and uh insulation all over the pavement. And uh but but I, that's what sort of my new my new hour of comedy is about, and like you know what I talk a lot of time. A lot of stuff I talk about is how having an eight year old child, you sort of see the world through yeah. her eyes, and you realize what I, or what I've realized is how little, how how much I thought that grown-ups knew when I was a kid, and how I, I've grown up and realized, oh no, no, we don't know, we don't know much of anything.
0: Yeah, we we're faking it. We, yeah, we know a lot more of than faking. them. We what, we know more than. And what you realize, one of the healthy thing that happens as you get older, you realize, and I had great parents, that you think they knew everything, and you get older and you go, no, they were these really nice people, they're yeah. just like we are today, flawed, sure. and sure, yep. boy, were they wrong about that, but yeah. they did their best, but of course, they're just, they're people, you know? Yeah. But as little people, they're like our giants. They're the are only only kind of, uh, until, particularly until we go to school or start watching media, it's different with kids say, There are everything that what yes. filters into us,
1: you know? Yeah, and it's—I uh, mean, it's—it's it's just a, it's, so it's extraordinary to me. Like I and, and I, uh, you know, I—I I think like in every marriage, ideally there's someone who understands sort of plumbing and electricity and heating, and we—we we don't have that. Yeah, and <laughs> so we're, we're currently we're see, we're seeking a third in our in our, our and we're Thruple. recruiting at, at technical colleges, et cetera. But like, no, really, I mean, a lot of what I'm talking about right now on stage is how little I know as I age, I'm 45, yeah. I just, how yeah. little I know. Wait till you get to 66. <laughs> age, <and> you're, <laughs> really? Then you really
0: know how fucking ignorant you are. You know? what, do you, so,
1: what do you not know that is shocking to you?
0: What I don't know is, no, actually, all kidding aside, it's a little bit the opposite. Yeah. I realized I didn't know a lot. You get to it, I, I, for me and for most people, you around 60, you realize everything is not in front of you anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's more, no matter how you slice, there's more behind yep. you. Yep. You get comfortable with kind of who you are with all your warts and everything like that. You're kind of like, okay, these are the cards. Yes. And and you kind of just are a bit more, you know what you don't know. You're okay that you don't know. Yeah, you, It's like you just get more, comf- you're closer to dying and right, you're just right. like you know and and you kind of, knowing
1: that there's a piece with that you know that's really interesting yeah cuz that was and that was the incarnation of the old man in the pool was i became obsessed with just the thought of health. dying yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 45 and i have the sleepwalking issue and i had bladder cancer. cancer and a, hand, a handful right, right. of things but yeah and then you just i mean it's like that phrase when you're when i was growing up i remember there was a place at the mall called Spencer Gifts and they would have a gag yeah card that said you're over the hill when you're you know people in their 40s and then i never even understood what they meant until i got on the hill and i'm looking around and i'm going oh there's natural causes they're not close but they're coming you know what i mean
0: yeah i hear you so i want to shift go ahead i was going
1: to ask you a question which is like so wait how old are you 60 66 66 no kidding really yeah yeah, you look great
0: thank you i appreciate that That i look good for
1: 66 (laughs) no but it's uh what do you find, you know, cause I've, I've seen you talk on, you know, Morning Joe and, and all kinds mm-hmm. of things about, about consulting on business and marketing, all these things. It's like with everything going digital and going to Instagram, going all these places, do you find that you have to talk people who are in their fifties and sixties down from the ledge and explain that like, essentially, like people who are in the 20s and 30s know a handful of more things than you do about this thing.
0: Yeah, well, there's a, there's two sides to that coin. And we're not gonna get into politics, but p- with what's going on in the world, it proves they don't, so everybody's getting everything from either TikTok or Instagram, and it's in a little nugget, and you don't know what's real, you don't know what's fake, you don't know what's curate, you know, so in certain ways, they have access to more information, but I don't think they have as much of a handle on the clarity of truth that we mm-hmm. and we all know, you know, the politics. So, there's, they have more going on, but I think they're confused at the same time. Also, I I think it's like we, sometimes less is more. the yeah. clarity of thought. And I think that they're so oversaturated with content, with communication, with yeah. messages from places that they, and nobody. You can read something today, and it could come from the Wall Street Journal, or it could come from some you know, wackadoo right wing or any, you know, conspiracy website, you don't remember the next minute where you read it. And yeah. the information all, all stays Definitely in the right. same place. Yeah. Whereas for better or worse, when we were younger, there was centralized nervous systems of yeah. communication that you may like them and I liked them, but it was like you had the news, you had the newspapers, you had like, and it was, there was some kind of, overseeing even if it biased one way or a little bit and it wasn't so the democratization of communication obviously is wonderful in certain levels but very dangerous in other levels and yeah. we're living through that now we're living through that now Yeah, but we'll save that one for another thing so I want to <laughs> get into we have something similar on our resume I had a cameo in Billions oh my, my gosh yes of course five yes. minutes you had yes. a recurring character yes how did I mean by the way I would never and I love Brian Koppelman I would never go okay Taylor's boyfriend Mike Berbiglia. yeah right
1: Nailed it! Talk, no, how think, did that come about? I think part of it is that uh, you know I love Brian and David, and I love the show, and and uh, part of it was that Asia, Asia Kate Dillon, who who plays Taylor, um, kind of had a talk with them about like they all chatted about who would be this person's love interest and what would be an interesting choice for this. and I think part of it was they wanted someone. I mean, this is <laughs> this is sort of the 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 thing that. Uh, uh, the bait of my existence is that I look like everybody, kind of thing. People right, go, "Oh, you right, look like Paul Rudd." No, you look like Tom right, Hanks. Yeah. No, you look like right, this right, person. Right, like, right, right, I, right. There's no one. People haven't told me I look like you look like you look like Dave Portnoy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You, yeah, you look like Tom Tom McCarthy, and right. uh, and and it's endless. It's endless, and uh, and so I think they wanted an every an every man person for the role, and and so I think that's how my name came up, honestly. And I think they wanted someone. Uh, who was just an unusual choice. And, you know, I've known them for a long time. And and it was fun. I mean, the, the, I mean, it was, I mean, the only thing that generally I'm uncomfortable, I mean, we had a love scene and it's uncomfortable. I mean, right. Asia and I both expressed our trepidation. I was just like, oh God, like filming something so intimate. And yeah. th- yeah. there was a moment where my, you know, my dad loves the show. And so when I was on the show, you know, my dad is, my parents are watching me have a love scene. Right. And not to
0: mention your wife also. Okay. Right. Yes,
1: exactly. And my and my uh my mom left the room apparently according to my dad. And she, and and my dad goes, "Where are you going?" And my mom goes, "I am not watching my son have sex." <laughs> That's a healthy reaction
0: by the way. <laughs> I, I I applaud your mom. She seems like a very <laughs> together woman as opposed to I'm interested in watching my yeah, son yeah, have sex sure, sure that's very very funny yeah. um, what is interest- my producer extraordinaire Lou, Lou Pellegrino who you met who's wonderful yes he said interesting before you came on he goes you know Mike was so good in that and you've, you've acted in a few places that we act so, he goes it's surprising when he called you a comedian or stand-up storyteller whatever. are good actors I'm like no it's not you guys are are basically tuned into humanity you're yeah. performing. So when Greg Kinnear ends up acting or somebody else, I, I'm not surprised.
1: The other way around would surprise me. An yeah. actor
0: ending up as a stand-up.
1: Now that think, would be something that would surprise me. I think it can go either way. Like you look at right. Robin Williams and I think he was brilliant. Right, of course. Brilliant actor. And then, like you're saying, Greg Kinnear is brilliant. Uh, there's a ha- Jamie Foxx, obviously, brilliant. Yeah, There's a handful of comedians over the years where when they try to make the the pivot into acting it doesn't quite work and and my theory is really just that like as a comedian it really is a very controlled situation you're on stage you're the only person talking you're the only person with the microphone a great comedian is completely in charge of the room that he or she is in and when you're acting you really give yourself over to your scene partner and you give them everything, and you take back whatever they give, and so it's out of your control. So it's right. like it's fascinating. I, I was lucky enough that I, I I started in college. I was cast in the college improv troupe. I did it for four years. It was great training for acting because you know, we went to Chicago and we went to Second City and Improv Olympic and all these places. And I became a real nerd at improv as an idea, and that's completely being open. The idea of being open to anything that could happen.
0: That's so that's really interesting. Yeah, but I, I'm always fascinated when I watch any performers in theater, not just the one man show, but but anybody performing in an ensemble, but particularly one man show. You ever like lose your train of thought? You ever like you oh, just yeah. said something that you have to be in command? And oh, I yeah. always sit there and marvel, forget that you remember the material, but that you're able to stay so laser focused <laughs> for a period of time seems very human defying to me.
1: It's so funny, because on my podcast, which is called Working It Out, and I, I started during the pandemic, and, and it's now at 115 episodes, Ira Glass was on our 100th episode. He's like right. my mentor, and he said, the thing that people don't realize about you, because you're so calm on stage, is that in real life, you're intense, and you're anxious, and you're focused, and you're serious, and all these things, and he's like, you don't convey it on stage, and I said, you you convey calmness, and I yes. said, Ira... I am calm on stage because all the variables of life go away. I don't have to do plumbing and electricity and yeah. heating and all these things I don't understand. And you're in control as yeah. a,
0: versus not in, in life. We're not in control in many, many ways.
1: So I'm much more comfortable on stage than I am off stage.
0: Well, it shows. Uh, <laughs> <Thanks>. November 21st, <laughs> November twenty first, Mike Birbiglia, the old man in the pool, as a guy who's seen it, Live, I, I just—it's just a wonderful hour. So I'm going to do my ad guy selling thing for a second. No matter what type of comedy you like, this—it's just marvelous, marvelous, marvelous escapism storytelling. And congratulations on your success, my friend.
1: I love that. I'm going to steal that, Donnie. Of uh, no matter what kind of comedy you like, I'll kick yeah. that around with with no, my company. That, I think it that, really, that's a good sell. That's a good. It sell. really
0: is. If you like Seinfeld, if you like Ch- Chappelle, I, I mean, it really is because it's just. Wonderful storytelling. It's it's edgy but it doesn't walk up to any political lines or anything like that but yet it 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 just it's right maybe it's the same way you look like everybody okay it's the same kind of
1: thing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you buddy. I appreciate it. Stay well. Thanks Don. I appreciate it.